This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, co-founder and CEO of Visionary Wealth Advisors. And uh, today I'm joined in uh, with Michael Williams. He's the Director of Investor Relations at 60 West. So, uh, Michael, welcome. Yeah, Brett. Thanks a lot for having me. Really excited to be here. Uh, big fan. Listen to quite a few of the podcast and uh, glad to be a part of it. Well, very good. So you are here because you are a generous, generous man and you're uh, your company, 60 West, doing a lot of great things, which we'll get to. But you guys are uh, one of the sponsors for the Circuit of Success Summit coming up on May 6th. So talk about that if you can. Obviously, I don't want the shameless plug, but uh, you know we've connected now through LinkedIn and you reached out to me and unsolicited. And I think you know, when I think about the vision of our firm, it's really to help people become the best versions of themselves. And really, our mission statement even talks about it. We talk about helping individuals or helping people achieve a future greater than their past. And it sounds like that was what, what happened to you last year. Yeah, glad glad to give you a pub because it was, it was something that was very impactful for me. Not even exactly sure how I became aware of it. I believe it was through Twitter that I saw some... Uh, some kind of life coaches that I that I follow on Twitter that were going to be there, and I'm a big kind of big big believer of somebody that needs to keep investing in themselves every day and try to try to learn things and better myself. And when I saw a couple of the people I followed were going to be there presenting, I said, "Well, hey, let's let's go check this out," and came away beyond impressed. Uh, met some people that I would you know one that I would say probably changed my life. So. Very happy to give a give you a pub on that, and uh, looking forward to being a part of it this year. Awesome. Well, thank you. And and again, we you know everybody at Visionary Wealth Advisors appreciates people like you that support the cause and are going to come out, and we're all going to hopefully have a future greater than our past, right? And that's what we're here to do, and that's what we do every week on the podcast. So, talk to us a little bit about Sixty West. So, your company, uh, you guys are all over the place. I know you travel a lot for work, and you've got a very understanding wife at home, right? That. Uh, that Allows that to happen three or four times a, a week. Yeah, I have a have an amazing wife. Uh, you know, I can remember back when I was in college and not knowing what in the world I wanted to do with my yeah. life. And not that I would say I figured out what I want to do with my life, but I can remember my, my dad sitting me down and telling me, hey, if you want to worry about something, he said, worry about the decision you're going to make with who you're going to marry. So that's the most <laughs> important decision you will ever make. And that was something I did not take lightly. And it took me a took me a little longer than most to find her and the best best decision I've ever made for sure. Awesome. Well, and then the second best decision is 60 West, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's funny how things come, come together in life. Um, you know, I, I, going back to college, I'm not sure exactly, you know, people, what did you learn in college? I, you know, I can remember a few classes that I took. Uh, really what I remember being most impactful to me was some books I read and you know, one book in particular, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, basically my takeaway was, hey, if, you know, if you don't want to worry about money, you know, you either need to own your own business or you need to be as tax efficient as possible. So um, after college, I, I, I worked for a large corporate outfit and, you know, kind of stumbled into it through internships. And, uh, you know, guy, I was 21, 22 at the time. And it, knew that that was not my, my law. I mean, you know, the, the, the corporate world just wasn't, it wasn't me. So I, I convinced myself, well, Hey, you're young. You need to go work towards owning your own business. And, uh, probably one of the more humbling decisions that I, that I came to, uh, or results that I came to was figuring out, Hey, Michael, maybe that's not really your, your best role. So I, I spent about eight years, um, and worked for 
worked for a great group of people and had a great opportunity that would lead me towards owning my own business, but humbly concluded that, uh, you know, Michael, I, I think maybe now, at least in, in this capacity, is not the most, uh, not, not where you're supposed to be right now. And uh, shortly, you know, I, I guess probably four or five years ago, um, I stumbled into the, the founder of 60 West and just kind of uh, almost as if divine intervention. Mm -hmm. It was just perfect place, perfect timing. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And to be honest with you, uh, he probably didn't really have any business hiring me. I was probably underqualified, but he would probably uh, hopefully tell you he made a good decision. And I right. definitely did. And, and the rest has kind of been history That's from awesome. there. Well, Steve Jobs says, right, hire great people, show them a vision, and then get out of the way. And uh, I'm sure that's what they're doing with a guy like you is just show you the vision, and you guys got a lot of stuff you're working on. And, you know, you guys talk about Im impact uh, impact investing and the solar development. And I know, you know, the solar stuff is huge right now. You think of the the people, that you know, the big names we think of in the, in the solar world. But talk to us, to our listeners, uh, about the solar type of investing and the development you guys are doing. Yeah, so so – we're a little bit different than a lot of people in the solar space. Um, you know, most of your solar is being done on a larger scale. So think of, of large off takers, typically municipalities, typically um, utility companies. Where, where we're going to be a little bit different is we're more finding, you know, what we would call investment grade off takers. So, so large off takers, but not, uh, you know, for, for people in our area, not like an Ameren type of off taker. We're working with a lot of hospitals, a lot of hotel groups, um, even some some church groups, uh, people that we're, we're able to do is kind of partner with them. We're able to um, cover the cost of the development so we can come in, cover the, the cost of these solar developments that they may not have the capital to and provide a way where they can come in um, and basically get cheaper power rates by doing so. And, you know, sometimes they're not always concerned about the cheaper rates as much as, you know, they, they feel good about using the renewable energy as opposed right. to some of our more uh, traditional forms of power. Yeah. And a lot of controlled costs too, right? I mean, cause if I, I know they're doing some stuff at some of the churches in the area where they know what they're going to, their power bill basically is going to be in the next five, 10, 15 years. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to uh, you know, like you, you take a group like a church and, and they know exactly what their power will be over an extended period of time. So it helps them from a budget and planning standpoint. And, you know, we've also been able to help, uh, We've done some renewable energy in Hawaii, for instance, and you know, out in Hawaii, I mean, they are they are paying, um, you know, just to kind of give you a comparable, where we may pay six or eight cents, they're paying thirty cents under the under the same wow. kind of measurement. So, what we're able to do is go to them, and you know, where we're, they're paying thirty cents per watt, we can maybe come in and get it down into the mid twenties, or you know, basically, we're able to give them a, a cheaper option, and uh, you know. A lot of what we see in Hawaii is is very nice, but there's yeah. some places we can go that are not so nice. So when you think about, like you see it on the news, right, with Puerto Rico and Dominican places like that that literally just run out of power. And I think some of their stuff, pardon me on this, but I think they're doing a lot of solar stuff now to rebuild the grid, if you will, right? Yeah, and, and we've actually been a part part of some of that, um, and, and we do some in Guam as well as Puerto Rico. But uh, obviously, they've had a, had a had a real struggle getting yeah. things rebuilt back there. And um, fortunately, the you know solar is a lot easier to help there, and, and we've been able to participate to that in some capacity. So, so talk to us about that. So, if I'm a, I'm looking around here as we're in my office, we see hospitals and we see hotels and churches and all these things. And so, if I'm a listener and you know I've got some, I've got a voice in one of those types of companies. 
what do I need to do? How do I get it done? I mean, I call you guys, then what's that process look like? Yeah, I mean, you definitely need to find a good developer that can help you get the job done. Um, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of it is still economic driven. And where you're looking at where we're situated, uh, we're pretty blessed with our power rate. So that's why you clearly don't see as much here as you would if you go to Hawaii um, or California. And obviously, they have a whole lot more access to sun. Mm-hmm. Um, but the best thing to do would be to find a developer that's willing to go in there, put their money where their mouth is, and, and potentially work with some of these companies and some of these organizations to help them uh, bridge the gap of maybe where the costs fall short. Got it. And on a day like today where it's kind of cloudy out, does that does the solar stuff still work at that point, or does it need to be pretty darn sunny out to make it work? So you definitely do need you definitely do need the sunlight. But what's pretty neat about it is we can predict. There's there's enough data out there where we know exactly historically where where the sun is shining. Wow. Um, so we when we do a site, we're fully prepared to, to plan for for cloudy days. Got it. So talk to us also, I know you guys do a lot in the historic uh, rehabilitation type stuff, historic preservation. That's not easy stuff, right? I've got friends that own historic homes, or I know there's some buildings here in town. They're harder investments to make because there's so many rules and regulations. What role do you guys play in that? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. And that's one thing that uh, anytime you you see a government program, um, there's a reason that program exists, right? The government... um, generally is bipartisanly supporting these measures, but they're coming in saying, hey, there's a need to inject inject resources into these areas. If it was easy and it was already there, then, you know, then they wouldn't need these programs. Yep. Uh, but it, it is very difficult. If the government's um, providing an incentive, they're going to make sure that you are following their rules, you know, to, the, to a T as, as you should be. Yep. So um, that's why you don't see everybody running into it because it is expensive to pull it off. But at the end of the day, I mean, we can we can just look around this area. There's a lot of a lot of people that have come in and been able to use this program to um, keep buildings that otherwise would no longer be here. Yep. And rehab them and make great things and great looking stuff in our in our communities, which is a big deal. So, talk to us about opportunity zones. When you when you say like when I see that, I think I know, but I'm sure, like our listeners, I don't know exactly, but you see it a lot as opportunity zones. What does that mean? Yeah, it's and it's really the uh, it's kind of the buzzword now. So again, it's another form of what we consider a public private partnership. So public private partnership when private markets are able to work with the government to get things done. I think the reason this one has has been uh, a lot more um, talked about than most is because this is really one of the few times where the public-private partnership uh, is involving individual taxpayers, where traditionally most of these programs cater towards C corporations or um, you know people with larger larger wealth streams that are typically exposed to passive income. So first time that the government's really or, or recently where they've really pushed, hey, if individual investors are willing to invest in some of these areas, we'll give them an incentive for doing so. So just to give you kind of a quick synopsis of it, what it allows you to do is, and basically let's back backtrack a little bit. So the government came out in the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, and they basically came up with the program. They used uh, census tract data basically to determine some underserved areas. And from there, the governor of each state had access to be able to designate what an opportunity zone is. So 
if you're in one of these opportunity zones, what it allows for is for if, if an individual taxpayer or any taxpayer has capital gain. So we're talking short-term capital gain. We're talking long from selling a business, from selling land. It, there's really no restrictions on that. And what, what these taxpayers can do is choose to invest in these designated opportunity zone. And there's really a three-part component to that. Um, we call it the DRE. The first step is that you get a deferral of your taxes. So if you had an event and you're inside and, and you've got 180 days to, to much like a 1031 exchange, okay. you've got 180 days to commit into an opportunity zone and to get your funding in. But if you do so, you defer your taxes until uh, the end of 2026. So you're basically looking at a seven, eight year deferral right now. So if I go in, so the 1031 exchange, uh, you know, for our listeners that may or may not be in the real estate world, I can sell a business or I mean, I'm sorry, sell a building. I make a hundred grand, I make a million, whatever it is, as long as I convert that into a new piece of commercial real estate, I can defer that tax. Exactly. So where this would be a little bit different than a 1031 and a 1031, you're, you're able to continually yep. defer that tax until you want to, uh, you know, let's call it break your 1031 and recognize that where this is different is you're deferring it, but there is a drop dead date um, okay. at the end of 2026. So in that drop dead date, you are going to have a tax bill due. What's different is you actually have a couple step up period. So once you've been in this investment for five years, you're going to get a 10% step up in basis. So if you had a million dollar tax, you now own 900,000 once you're, once you've been in the opportunity zone for five years, that's a big deal. And then once you hit seven years, it goes up to 15% step up. So your million dollar tax, um, if you invested this year, your million million dollar tax would be due at the end of 2026. And since you would have been in that fund for seven years, you would now owe $850,000 as opposed to the million dollar tax. So those so this are, is a big year then, right? This is, this is, I mean, it, with, you know, we're still always, there's always evolving regulations, but as long as that 2026 date does not move, um, this is, this is definitely the most beneficial year. Period, yeah. So, so you got two of the three benefits there. You've got the, uh, you've got the deferral. And then you've got the step up, but really the, the one, as I say, where the magic happens is once you've been in this opportunity zone fund for 10 years. So once you've been in 10 years, they allow a full reset of your basis. So if somebody invested a million dollars into an asset and that asset was worth, uh, let's call it two and a half million dollars in 10 years down the road. And they decide to exit that asset. They have a sale. They recognize a gain where the magic happens is because of that complete basis reset. Now you owe no tax on that gain. So your only tax would have been 85% of the original amount that wasn't due until eight years after you made your investment. And once you've been in for 10 years, voila, tax-free oh. growth has occurred. Huge, huge. Um, so let's talk about how do we find out about an opportunity zone. So I'm a listener and I'm like, hey, I like that idea that uh, Michael Williams uh, you know, is talking about from 60 West. Where do I find it? How do we make it happen? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the, inter the internet is always your friend. It, it, I mean, to be honest with you, of all the programs we deal with, I've not seen one that's generated the amount of interest as Opportunity Zones. Yep. Um, and with that, I would, uh, you know, I would exercise a, a big, big, big amount of caution on that. So um, I, I think what people have to realize in Opportunity Zones is, hey, these, these are if the pro as the program intends, this is to drive income into areas that are not currently seeking. Yep. 
Um, so there's there's two approaches. Now, if you're a philanthropic-minded investor, hey, great. This is, this is a phenomenal tool, a phenomenal way for you to inject money into a place that you probably otherwise wouldn't. If you're maybe a more uh, economical-minded investor, that's where I would say let's use a little bit more caution because, again, we're talking the, yeah. the deferral of the tax is nice, the basis increase is nice, but let's not forget your money's tied up for 10 years in this investment right. if you're really going to benefit. Certainly not as easy as we make it sound. It's not. Well, I would just tell you from our perspective, we've seen a lot of deals. We've seen a lot of people talking about them. And uh, most deals I've seen, I personally would not invest in now. I I've, I've, have invested in some and I've invested in some that aren't even our deals because they were good deals. But I've seen way more deals that have me kind of scratching my head um, and a lot of it's conceptual. I mean, one thing that people don't need to lose sight of is if, if your real benefits on that exit in 10 years, be prepared that you're going to be able to exit as you need to, to recognize your gain. And, and one thing we're seeing a lot of is a lot of what I call multi-asset funds. Yep. And I don't pretend to know everything, but um, I'm, I have a pretty strong opinion that I personally will only invest in single asset funds because I want that exit to be as clean as possible and as guaranteed as possible when I want it to be achieved. And I don't just want to own a bunch of uh, minority interest in, in different partnerships. Right. Yep. Makes sense. So now let's uh, maybe turn the page a little bit and talk about just mindset and growth. I know you're a big fan of that. You, you know, invest back in yourself probably daily, weekly, monthly on how to really become the best version of yourself. So how do you stay a student in the game between traveling, all the work stuff you've got to do? I mean, family commitments. I mean, what, how do you stay a student in the game? Yeah, that's the million dollar question, right? right? And, and, you know, I guess I can, I can almost give you a specific interest of, of a situation that kind of opened my eyes. And, uh, I'm a big Brad Stevens, uh, the coach of the Celtics, oh, yeah. big, big fan of him. And, and I can remember watching a game between Butler when he was at Butler and Gonzaga. And this is back in the days where, most of the mid-majors were, you know, sorry for people that aren't sports geeks, but I am right. a sports geek. <laughs> but this is back when the mid-majors, you pretty much ran your conference and you were going to get probably not a very good seed. You know, right. Gonzaga was well-known at the time. Butler was coming on the scene. But I was watching a game between Butler and Gonzaga. And, it, I mean, it, you, you, I encourage people out there listening, YouTube, Butler, Gonzaga, you know, Brad Stevens, and just watch the clip. But what happened was Butler was was trailing in the game, and they had a chance. They had the ball with a chance to take the lead with just a few seconds left, and they go and they turn it over. And you're watching the game, and you're you know I'm sitting there angry because I'm a Butler fan, and I'm watching Brad Stevens just cool and calm as collective as can be. So they turn it over, and you're like, well, the game's over. And I mean, all Gonzaga has to do is inbound the ball, the game's over. Well, they make a they turn it over, they throw the ball away on the inbound. And a uh, player for Butler gets the ball, and as time expires, he goes in, makes a shot, you know, Hinkle Fieldhouse magic, as they call it. And I can remember, I don't even know why I was watching, but I watched Brad Stevens, and this is a huge game. This is, this is an early season game that had huge, you know, yeah. tournament implications for them. And as the shot goes up, I see him turn to walk towards Mark Few with his arms crossed. No display of emotion. The shot goes in, crowd goes nuts, and he acts like nothing ever happened. And I was so intrigued by it. I'm like, I'm going to Google and see what in the world he had to say after why, you know, surely somebody else right. saw that. And they asked him and he basically said, you know, he said, yeah, so that was a nice play. He said, but that's one of thousands of possessions that my team will have this year. He said, hmm. I believe in a system and I believe you do things the right way. 
that shot going in or that shot going out does not change one bit what I think of my team and my players. So it was just one of many possessions that we're working on every year. Wow. And I remember thinking, you know, in a, you know, that's a, that's a win and loss business and someone with that much on the line and that's his right. response. I just remember thinking that's someone that's confident in yep. the job of, that they're doing. So that let me know, um, you know, and this is probably 10 years ago or so when this happened and that's when I'm like, all right, it's a system thing. There must be something to that. And, uh, you know, part of my system is, you know, every day I need to, I need to be investing in myself mentally in some form or fashion. And how do you do that? What's that look like for you? So for me, it's a lot of, it's routine. Um, and, um, a lot of it is reminders in my calendar. So every day I've kind of got my, you know, I, I, I'm, this is who I am. This is what I'm trying to do. Kind of my mission statement that I, you know, I personally go over and really my goal is to not have two bad days in a row. But one thing I'm big on is that if I hit my goals that I have, my process goals that I have daily, I'm not going to have a bad day. I don't care about results. So I'm I mean, in my, in my profession, I raise capital for a living. Somebody tells me no and Hey, that's disappointing. Do it, yes. Disappointing. Yeah. But if I, if I'm hitting my goals and you know, that, that is what I have to focus on every day. Yeah. That's great. I love that perspective. And it's actually great wisdom too, because it is, if, if you focus on the result only, you're going to be greatly disappointed, right? Because I think when you hit results and I've, I've been guilty of this, especially in my early twenties when I would hit big work goals, it's like, you think you're going to hit it and all these bells and whistles and, you know, balloons and streamers are going to come out of the ceiling and, then you're like, oh, wait, that's just kind of what was supposed to happen. Yeah. Right? And, it, and it's funny sitting here how easy that sounds because it's not, it's, it's, not, not, it's easy. not easy, but I'm sitting here saying that like, oh, yeah, that's, that's easy to do right. every day. But right. I wish that was the case. And some days are easy than other, but you don't have two bad days in a row. I love that. And I think it's too. I mean, people that know me and probably even some of the last few shows I've been talking about is on December 21st this year. I created this 90 minute focus and it's like, I know as soon as I walk in that door right there, I come in, I set my bag down, I grab my gray bottle of water here. I'm drinking out of, I go say hi to everybody. I grab my water. I come back and it's the same thing every day. And I know if I do that 90 minutes, I'm going to win the day. Right. And, and it's funny you mentioned the word focus because you know, if, if anyone would ask me, what is the key to success? And I don't care money, whatever, whatever success you're looking for. I mean, once you figure out the ability to focus, that's what took me a long time. I read a lot of books and finally they all started saying the same thing. But once you, you know, kind of change your subconscious mind where you're just thinking of things, you're focusing on things without any effort, that's when I think you're really working towards a breakthrough on success. So what are some of your habits? I mean, do you have like the, the same routine, kind of like what I talked about? I mean, is it exercise? Is it journaling, reading? What is it? Yeah. So, um, you know, my, I mean, just me personally, I start my day with, um, you know, a, a religious meditation. You know, I, I have to read, I read some that, that is, that is my Gotta first thing. It. First thing that I do is, you know, put my, put my faith first and make sure that's how I start my day. Yep. Um, one thing that needs to be a little bit better of mine is, is fitness. I, you know, my goal is to, um, you know, at least do something that gets my heart rate up every day. And that, that's, that's one I should do better at, but that's definitely something I think is, is key for people is to, is to keep, keep your fitness up. But a lot of mine centers around, um, really just kind of awareness. And I, and I use, I use calendars, reminders on my phone because unfortunately I'm glued to, my phone and email. Uh, I mean, that's just life for me. So right. 
I have to have those constant reminders to keep me on track. So talk to us about books. You said you're, you've mentioned a few times you're a big reader. If you were uh, able to give advice to people, what, what's maybe the one or two or three books that you'd recommend? So this is a no-brainer. you got to read them. Yeah, um, you know, one that definitely hammered me when I when I early on was Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, Napoleon a classic. Hill. It's yep, yeah, that, that's that's a staple. Um, you know, I I think you know, I started off a lot of books I read were basically kind of about sacrifice and if you do these things and if you don't spend money and save your money and right. and that you know, I I don't want to I'm not qualified enough to disagree with those. And I've read plenty of those and learned a lot from them, but I'm a big believer in more growth minded thinking. Um, Jason Selk, um, his books, all, all of his are great. Um, I think he totally gets it. Um, I, I, you know, I think more than anything, it's not about what, but I think, I think you can find something in any book and there's just, there's a huge correlation of people that, and regardless of what type of success you're looking for, I mean, that, these successful people invest in reading. They invest in, in, in increasing their knowledge every day. Yep. 10 pages a day. That's my deal. 10 pages a day. You end up reading about 20 to 25 books a year. And you do that You know, four years, you read a hundred books, right? Eight years, you've read 200 books and you can see where it just continues to go. So I'm always a fan of that. If, if I end up reading a hundred books and you've read zero, who's probably going to win. Right? Yeah. And, and a lot of time, you know, just be open-minded to what you're reading. I mean, I, my 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 mindset has changed a lot over the years, and yeah. uh, and and I'm thankful for it. But it right. it it took some some challenges to have to hear some things that maybe I didn't agree with at the time or want to hear. Right? Yeah, that that's probably really <laughs> what it was more than anything. Right. Uh, so let's talk about the circuits of success. Let's talk about attitude. When you hear the word attitude, what comes to mind? Um, I mean, it's every, attitude is everything in my opinion. It goes right along with mindset. Um, I. I th- I'm a big believer in, in, in how you're at. I mean, it, it's either going to be positive or negative. There's really no in between. And I was told once that a, a negative thought has, you know, 10 times the power of the positive and it takes 10 positive thoughts to, to discount a negative thought. Yep. So, uh, and it's just all about perspective. I mean, the glass can always be half half full. And again, yeah. I'm sitting here laughing at how easy this sounds and <laughs> my wife probably going to kill me right, when, exactly. when she hears this. Because if she I, even listens, right? Yeah. If she, I, yeah. I, I have a feeling she will, so she can <laughs> critique. Yeah. She'll right. definitely have some comments, but you know, I tell her all the time, like it's simple as you're choosing your attitude it is literally that simple. And my wife doesn't want to hear that from me, but I mean, I, I am a firm believer that it is that simple that yeah. you can choose your attitude and it makes a complete difference in a situation. And you're using the word there that I use all the time is choose, right? It is a choice 100%. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, who gets to choose it? Me or somebody else, right? Yeah. It's me. I, one thing I figured out was, hey, when I'm in a bad mood, a lot of bad things tend to happen. So that is uh, Law of attraction, I, I learned, right? yeah, I, yeah I'm a, I'm, you know, again, I'm definitely a believer in that. And uh, I don't like being upset yep. and yep. I don't want to stay there long. So if I, if something bothers me, I want to, I want to fix it and get on with it as soon as I can. That's right. So when we have a good attitude, then uh, we go over to the second circuit of success and that's belief. Right? I, I feel you have to have a belief system. That's what's helped me in my career of you know, almost 19 years of doing this, being in the financial world is my belief system has got me through a lot of rejection, right? So what's your belief systems? What are those things? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to agree totally with you because, uh, you know, when, when we're talking about how difficult it is to, to just hit some of these simple goals, if you don't have that foundation to lean on, um, it, it makes it a lot, a lot harder. You know, one, again, my faith is a big part of, of my belief system. Yep. Um, you know, I'm, I'm born and raised Catholic. So my, you know, the, the, the Catholic church is a big part of my life, but, um, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of face, if you look into them, it's, it's really kind of the same core. Yep. And one question I would challenge people with is, you know, you, you chase success. And this is something I've personally learned that, uh, you know, I've worked real hard to hit certain goals. And then once hitting them, it's like, what, what was that for? Yep. Um, so, you know, my belief system is if you're going to be successful, you then have an obligation to other people. And, uh, that's something I don't want to be the wrong side on the wrong side of someday wondering if I could have done more to, uh, and the answer will always be, yes, I could have done more, but I want to, I want to get uh, as close to doing as much as possible for those that aren't able to do it for themselves. Yep. So that's your belief system, which I a hundred percent in line with the third circuit is action, right? I always say you got to take action every single day. It's not Monday and Thursday and Saturday, then, you know, Tuesday of next week. In, to your point, don't have two bad days in a row, which again, I love, you got to show up every day, even when you don't want to. So what are those action steps for you? Yeah, the, the first step's the hardest. And again, I'm, I'm going to go back to uh, the process goals and something. If, if you pick up Jason Selk's book that he's big in, come up with two, three if you can. But I, I think the hardest part in achieving success is really knowing what you want. Uh, once you know what you want, then it's you know, then it's easy. All right, here's, here's the end result I'm looking for. What goals do I need to put in place to do so? So maybe the, somebody, you know, out there listening, maybe your process goals are things that get you to figuring out what you want. But I, I'm a big believer that that's the hardest part. If you figure out what it is you want, set up your goals and take the first step and then hold yourself accountable. Hit those goals every single day. Don't judge your day, whether it's good or bad on anything other than if you did those goals. If you hit your goals, you had a good day, no matter what results. If you didn't hit your goals, good things may have happened, and I would still argue that that was a bad day because you weren't committed to what you're truly trying to achieve. Yeah, not long-term uh, sustainable success, right? Mm -hmm. So just something just happens. That's great, but it's usually probably from work you did 30, 45, 60 days mm -hmm. ago. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, yeah, abs absolutely. I mean, it's funny how you know then luck's on your side all right. of a sudden when you're doing things the right way, and, and you catch some breaks. Yep. And I think you get in that, that method or that method of the madness where maybe you're getting some good news so you can kind of take your foot off the gas mm -hmm. and not do your daily commitments. But then what happens is 30 or 45 days from now, right, then you're not getting the results. And it's like this vicious cycle. And I had to learn yeah. that again in business, too. Yeah, and I think on the flip side, too, one thing I personally struggle with is, um, you know, I, I don't get real high. I don't get real low. And, you know, a lot of times I question, you know, I catch myself wondering, you know, why don't we, why don't we celebrate? Why don't we be thankful for some of these things? And, you know, so one thing I, you know, I, I currently work on is, Hey, let's appreciate where we're at in this process and, and take a minute to, you know, let, let's be present with it. Yep. And so that fourth circuit is results. And, and we don't usually spend a lot of time on that because of everything we just talked about is it, but it's, it's last for a reason, because if we focus on a great attitude, we have a rock solid belief system. We take actions every day we're going to get the results. And I think where people fail though, is they immediately go to that fourth circuit and that's what they focus on and they forget all these other things. 
and then the light bulb doesn't shine, right? And so I think that's critically important. Yeah, I mean, you you look at, uh, you know, people always want to call, they say 1% successful, or, you know, they, they see these people and they think such a small group is successful. And there's no doubt about it. it it's because of all these things we're sitting here discussing, the focus, the sticking to the system and, and playing the process. Yep. Um, they're not short-sighted enough to say, oh, well, the first resistance that they encounter, they're going to buck the system and, and try something different. Right. So when you think about your boy, uh, Jason Selk, you've talked about him a couple of times. He's been on the show and, and was at the summit, obviously, you saw last year. He talks about RSF, Relentless Solutions Focus. And I, and I just love that because it's like, okay, you get bad news. Okay, stay there for 15, 20 seconds. But then you immediately got to close that gap, close that door, and go over here to the solution. How are we going to fix it? Is that something that you'd say you practice and learn from Jason? Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I still, you know, that I still wish I did a little bit better. Um, you know, something something aggravates me. You know, I kind of see red for a little bit, and I I wish I was a little bit quicker to it. As he talked about at the at the summit last year, what is the next thing you can do to make this situation better? Your, your environment has changed. What can you do to, to improve it? Um, that's, you know, that, that's one that's not so easy for me, right. but I, you know, absolutely subconsciously you, you try to get to that point where when, when you encounter an event, what's the next step? What do I do? All right. So I give, uh, I give Michael Williams $10 million. You can't pay off any debts. You can't invest it in stuff that, you know, visionary wealth advisors does or what you do. What are you doing with 10 million bucks? Well, I'm, and you can't give it to charity either. Well, I was going to say a million, of, it, give it charity, a million right? of it's already not mine in right. my opinion. Yeah. Um, so I'm wired to focus on the tax. So the first thing I'm doing is seeing how much of that 10 million <laughs> am I going to be able right. to keep. So I'm finding uh, good CPA and good advisors yeah. that are going to be able to help me keep as much of my money yeah. as they can. And then I'm going to definitely pay some of it forward and then I'm going to rely on somebody that's a lot smarter than me to tell me where to <laughs> tell me where to put it. I like it. I like it. Uh, th- we just had this fun one yesterday. We started doing. I'm gonna start asking all of our guests on our show. But uh, besides Jesus and besides maybe like Mother Teresa, people like that, who if you could trade places, you have to. You can't say you're going to remain yourself. Who's that one person you would trade places with any time in the world that they've ever been alive? Who would it be and why? Put you on the spot here. Well, there, I, I'll give you two that, that right. definitely come to, to mind, and it's purely because I want to know what goes on in their mindset, and that is uh, would be Brad Stevens and Tiger Woods. I like it. Uh, Tiger, you know, and maybe for a little bit different reasons, but right. that is uh, uh, what that man's mental makeup is is definitely different than anyone yeah. else uh, yep. that's ever walked this earth, in my that's opinion. Right. That's right. And Brad Stevens just purely out of respect for his game and what he does. I think he is probably the ultimate student, and that's something that, uh, I mean, if, if I don't think his skill is is probably on par of yeah. what some people are, but I think he is dedicated to being better every single day. Right. Which is what it takes. So where can our listeners find more of Michael Williams and uh, 60 West? Yeah, you, you can find it at our website, uh, S-I-X-T-Y dot com. Find me on LinkedIn, uh, pretty easy to get a hold of, but uh, appreciate any feedback from this, and hopefully somebody out there listening was able to take some positive out of it. I'm sure they were, man. I enjoyed it and uh, just love the wisdom and uh, just your, yeah, your calm, cool attitude, man, and just... 
being a student in the game and getting up and doing your deal every day. And one, one thing I'd maybe end with is, you know, mentorship is huge. So yep. a lot of times it's hard to approach people and say, Hey, I, I would like you to mentor me, but I promise you that's the number one compliment you could give somebody. So if anyone asks me for advice, find good mentors. I've been very fortunate to have a few good ones come across my life and none of them have been too busy to help me along the way. And I'm very, very fortunate for that. Great. Great feedback. Well, Michael, thanks for being on the circuit of success. And, uh, just again, thanks to you all for helping make the circuit of success summit a reality and, uh, helping people, you know, live their best life, man. So we're thankful. Well, thank you. And thank you for their time. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 